Welcome to episode 15 of Mysteries and Madness. I am Dave Coalmine, sitting across from me as always. That's me, Todd Sullivan, uh, also known as Jack Shepard. Don't get me confused with Shep Jackhard, please. <laughs> yeah, our newest Patreon subscriber, Shep Jackhard. Props to that as well. Um, we're about to get blue into all sorts of cursing. Probably not appropriate for small ears or work. You've been warned. Here we go. Good morning, Jack Shepard. It is Thursday, October 31st, 1945, making it Halloween. Oh, no. Oh, bad things are going to happen today. Uh, in our latest format, we find out how Jack wakes together right now as I grab the table of unforeseen consequences. And Jack tells me what number he rolled. Now, we had no modifiers uh, today, so no modifiers yesterday. To reiterate, um, one of the game elements that I've added is whiskey tokens. So one of the possible setbacks for Jack Shepard is receiving whiskey tokens. Each whiskey token gives a plus one to the roll on the table of unforeseen consequences. And higher numbers tend to be crazier, more negative results. So no modifier yesterday. Making it an even roll. What did you roll? All right. Well, I got myself a nine. You got a nine, did yeah. you? Okay. Let's see what a nine is. You awake still slightly drunk and realize the only way you're surviving the day is if you never sober up and face the hangover. Jack Shepard must maintain his buzz all day and act appropriately. At the GM's discretion, subject to the player's actions, if Jack Shepard becomes sober or too drunk or acts too sober or too drunk, you gain the problem card sick. So if Jack makes it through the day without getting sick, add a minus two to that evening's roll on the table of unforeseen consequences. Okay, all right. So there are no negative consequences to this as long as you, Todd Sullivan, play Jack Shepard as not sober for the rest of the day. All right, I'm gonna, I'll see what I can do. So that is today's outcome on the table of unforeseen consequences. Well, I guess the first thing I'm going to do then is uh, look and see what might be left at the bottom of the bottle I bought last night. And if there's anything there, drink it immediately. Yes, you roll over and there's a little bit of that clarity vodka left in the bottom of the bottle and you put it down your throat before you even get out of bed. You get out of bed, and as you're getting dressed, you notice that stone that you have around your neck, this amulet that you've purchased from the head shop. The red and black stone is the size of your thumb and hangs heavy on your neck. The brown cord that is intricately tied to house the stone is rough against your skin. Before buttoning up your shirt this morning, you notice the redness on your neck where it hangs. Like there's a red line from where the... Rope has been running against your neck, yes. Okay. Does it, but does it seem like a natural abrasive kind of like a rubbing of the rope or does it seem like something else? The rope has been rough against your skin. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just been something you've sort of... It's been your cross to bear a little bit. There's, it's like is it's as if there's a bit of a weight to carrying this amulet with you everywhere. Fair enough. All the time. Fair enough. Um... Yeah, and you're seeing that wear uh, physically upon yourself. Okay. What's Jack's next step? Uh, I'm going to brew some coffee. While the coffee is brewing, I am going to get a beer from the fridge, open the beer, pour a little splash of beer into goat's bowl, uh, and then give him some food while I finish the beer. Okay. Yeah. S sounds good. 
You go and grab the newspaper? Absolutely, I do. I was thinking you could take the newspaper up to the roof. Go check on that grass you've yep, been growing. Yeah, good idea. So you get up to the roof, and you've put a chair up there on the top landing of the stairs, the exterior stairs on the building. You can't step onto the roof yet, but grass is beginning to sprout, but it's it'd be more mud on your boots than grass underfoot. Right, right. Yet it's not there, but it is coming along, and you look at the newspaper. Being that it's Halloween, there's a bunch of Halloween advertisements, of course, throughout the paper. There's also an ad for the new ballpoint pen. Hmm. Fantastic, atomic-era, miraculous pen. It has a tiny ball bearing instead of a point. Was guaranteed to need refilling only once every two years. What? Would write underwater, handy for mermaids, as the ad says, <laughs> on paper, cloth, plastic, or blotters. Uh, which in history went on sale for the first time this week in Gimbel's department store in New York City. Wild. Yeah, in New York City. Um, Time Magazine did a great article about it, actually. Um, I've got an excerpt from it. Uh, the first whispers came in the summer of 1944. A Hungarian inventor living in Argentina had created something sensational. Practical fountain pens with internal ink cartridges had been in use for decades, but Laszlo Biro devised a new version that used a ball bearing instead of a nib. It used instant drying ink that rolled smoothly onto the page and could write for six months, even at high altitudes, without needing refill. The real news was that Biro had filed a patent, which meant that the company that bought the rights cornered the market. Eversharp acquired the North and Central American rights to the new pen for a half million dollars in 1945. But Reynolds International Pen Company decided to manufacture their own version and get it out to stores first. Eversharp's legal attempts to stop them failed. As one of the defendants in a patent suit explained, the idea of the ball bearing was centuries old. Even if Bureau's pen was new, the patent suits were unlikely to stick. So this real milestone in American history was the Reynolds pen at Gimbel's in New York City, not the Eversharp pen that it should Interesting. have Interesting. So because, because of the ball bearing being like the central point of the invention, but also um, something that's sort of common and, and you know decades old, they were able to say your patent doesn't really count because you're relying on this thing that's kind of not patentable. Right, exactly. Wild. Even though uh, Eversharp spent a half million dollars on it. Time Magazine reported at the time, in Manhattan's Gilbin Brothers, thousands of people all but trampled one another last week to spend $12.50 each for a new fountain pen. So Gimbel's had ordered 50,000 pens, the department store in New York City, and had sold 30,000 of them in the first week. Uh, eventually, Eversharp, the people who bought the patent, filed a lawsuit accusing the founder of Reynolds Pen Company of a history of producing shoddy products. And sure enough, by April next year, six months later, 6% of all the pens sold had been returned to Gimbel's as faulty. But in that same six months, by being the first movers, it had already paid off for them. Uh, in that six months, Reynolds had made $5.6 million yeah, in sales. Yeah, 6%. While... Probably too high isn't terrible, right? Like it's like, almost one in ten. It's like one in fifteen, like, right? Like but that's a from a financial one 20, perspective, one the money that they made off the other ninety four percent would be more than enough to cover whatever complaints those six percent have, right? Yes, but that's the I, like this is what's wrong with 
society, not what's good about society. <laughs> the idea that, like, right, but I mean, we're fuck, also talking. fuck making a quality product, let's just right. make money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. fuck honoring the fact that these people paid a half million for the uh, patent. We're just going to go ahead and jump to market first. Well, it's that's not business. It's, no, but it's says. not their fault that they paid for a patent that really wasn't enforceable truth, either. Truth, right? truth. And it's interesting to think how, like, the ballpoint pen is something that we kind of take super for granted today. But clearly, that was life changing. Yes, to people at that point. Exactly. If we're looking at those kind of sales in the first, was it first day or first week or whatever? It was thirty thousand sold in the first week. Yeah. Five and a half million in sales in six months in 1945. Also today in history, the Alfred Hitchcock-directed psychological thriller Spellbound, starring Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck, premieres tonight in New York City. It tells the story of the new head of a mental asylum who turns out not to be what he claims. Bowsler Crother of the New York Times writes that the story was a rather obvious and often told tale, but the manner and quality of its telling is extraordinarily fine. The firm texture of the narration, the flow of continuity and dialogue, the shock of the unexpected, the scope of image, all are happily here. Stars Bergman and Peck were married to others at the time of the production, but, but had... Oh but, had a brief affair during filming. Oh, Gregory, you it, dog you. <laughs> their secret relationship wasn't known until 1987 when Peck confessed to People magazine in an interview five years after Bergman's passing. Oh, wow. He said this in that interview. All I can say is that I had a very fiery kind of love for her, and I think that's where I ought to stop. I was young. She was young. We were involved for weeks in close and intense work. So there you go. Interesting. A little cut back in history. Yeah. I also have an article for you to read, Jack right. Shepard. I got to say, um, to this day, Psycho is the only Alfred Hitchcock movie that I've seen, and I really need to rectify that. You've never seen Birds? No, I've not seen Birds. What? Yeah. I feel like that's like, yeah, it's a must. That would be like, to me, that would be like the second most sort of well-known and yeah. expected to be seen after Psycho. Right. Which, by the way, is fucking phenomenal, Psycho. Great movie. Cool. All right. Exactly what happened at Sour Grapes Vineyard? Farmer claims attack by a zombie-like being. Grape grower Robert Darabont claims he's part of a government conspiracy involving the walking dead. What's behind these fermented allegations? To believe the 20-year vineyard owner, something wicked this way comes in the foothills of northern San Bernardino. Ten days ago, Robert was walking the vineyard when this encounter happened. The sun was setting as I was taking an evening walk near the northern edge of the property. I have a new Riesling on a hill out there I like to keep an eye on. I began to hear fast rustling like someone or something was running through the rows of vines. In the evening, I always walk with my rifle. We have mountain lions, coyotes, and wolves living in our neighboring mountains. I raised my Winchester to my shoulder and yelled out for anyone to make themselves known, hoping my voice would scare off any wildlife. All of a sudden, this creature jumped out of the vines, coming right at me, snarling and clawing. I pulled the trigger and shot the monster right between the eyes. So what was in Robert Darabont's field? The shot connected, and the creature fell to the ground motionless. In the dim light, it looked human, and I was sure I just accidentally killed a trespasser. But as I approached the body, it looked less and less human. Two arms and two legs, but its face had a snout like a wolf, mouth over full with pointy teeth, rubbery pale white skin and vacant black eyes. Darabont 
took the corpse to his barn and called the police, and that's when his story takes a turn. Police arrived around midnight, and I could tell they weren't sure what to make of the creature either. Very quickly, my barn became off-limits, no one allowed in, and I was ordered to remain in my house. Around 6 a.m., a black van arrived, two people got out, put on full-body suits, and entered the barn. Soon after, they returned carrying a black body bag that appeared to contain the corpse of that monster. They put it in the back of the van and drove away. The police remained for the rest of the day guarding the barn while a second crew arrived and seemed to clean and confiscate my barn's contents. Tall tale of a wine purveyor or truth? Picks or it didn't happen, right? <laughs> that's, that's kind of a modern thing, but sure. That's where Robert Darabon adds credence to his story. He had the wisdom to take a photo, albeit a questionable one. After calling the police, Darabont had a thought. I thought no one's going to believe this story. Heck, I was unsure of myself. So I went and grabbed my old Kodak camera. It doesn't have a flash, so I lit a lantern, wound the film, snapped a photo, went to wind again, and sure enough, it was the last photo in the roll and I had no spares. So Darabont's evidence amounts to one poorly lit photo pictured below. So the photo is in the article, and it looks a bit like what we would know to be a like a bad UFO photo. Uh, it shows the dirt floor of a large shed, a small barn. You can see some gardening implements against the wall, and lying in the center of the floor is a poorly lit, grainy f- vision of what you do recognize as the ghouls from Roy's garage. You recognize this as one of the ghouls that you saw at Roy's garage, that you had an interaction with in the cave out in the northern San Bernardino Mountains. This is definitely one of those ghouls. Okay. My assumption as I was reading it is this was one of the, um, like the souped up dog fighting dogs who had gotten away from that. But no, okay, interesting. I, I, I noticed, I think, when I when I got here, that you had a, a tab up on Kodak cameras in your office, and I think was that you were looking into. I was making sure that cameras the and, existed yeah. and when um, during World War II, for a couple of years, the Kodak factory instead made some piece for an explosive. Oh wow! But the cameras were available from about 1935 mm-hmm. up until 1943, I think, when they, for two years, they changed over to making this uh, this military piece. Yeah. So he would have had the camera since before the war. Right, right. makes sense. Which is why I said his old Kodak. Sure, cool. Uh, LA Times reached out to San Bernardino Police Department for comment, but have received no reply. Was this a coordinated cover-up or the fermented grape-fueled delusions of a lonely wine farmer? One thing's for certain, reporting of odd events in San Bernardino is on the rise. So there you go. Wow, interesting. So those fucking things, man, like they're not... I, I was hoping that cave-in would have just sort of... they You scared them out the back of that cave. Remember there was a small gap right. along the ground that you couldn't travel through? Right, right, And the right, other right, side right, of right. it was amazing uh, cave system that's all underground in the mountains of San Bernardino Mountains that you know connected to Roy's Garage and goes who knows where else. It's not like every uh, avenue down those tunnels was ever explored. I feel like this might be a hint at to uh, our next arc. I'm constantly seeding things in there. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, yeah. All right, uh, newspaper finished. I need to go down to the diner. I need to get some fucking greasy food in me to deal with this hangover and, uh, and plan my day. Okay. 
You head to the diner. Yeah. Sit at the diner. Uh, Bernice happens to be working. Of course she does. Hey, sugar, how's it going? I am, uh, it's, it's a rough morning, Bernice. Uh, I need a, a big old greasy-ass breakfast, if you please. No sweat, sugar. I'll bring it all over to you. And a, and a nice big coffee with, uh, you know, a little room at the top, of course. You got her. You got her, hun. And you sit there waiting. The coffee comes first. And as you sit there waiting for your food, you think about the dog fights last night. Okay. Specifically the snarling, vibrating, one-eyed victor of the fight you witnessed. Frothing slobber and blood dripping from its steel-reinforced jaw. Then your mind cuts to the scientist Victor in the back shop. Dirty yellow light cast over a steel table and a cart full of tools. You watch from the shadows as this man tinkers with the corpse of a half-metal dog before returning it to some form of life. And in that moment, you must take a stability challenge uh, with an advance of 10 called Rage Against the Machine Dog. <laughs> I like it. All right. So this is a, a roll of two dice, right? Because you have two dice for stability. I do have two dice for stability. And you still have two plus one modifiers. I do still have two plus ones. From the wrap-up episode of our last story arc where you answered two correct questions on the quiz. Yeah. Also, on any challenge roll, you can add an extra die to the roll by taking on a problem. Yes, okay. Just so we're yeah, and I first in the rules. At least one of those, if not two, uh, because ten is a fucking awful number, and we all know how I roll. <laughs> we do. I've been talking to like my family listens, and uh, I'm friends with every Patreon subscriber we have, and so we, I, you know, I get to chat to all these people that listen, and they're like, man, that guy's rolls. Right, like, man, I fucking that's. I remember I was uh, uh, talking to Marco at one point, and he, he, that was like one of the first things. He was like, man, that roll, those rolls, man. Like, man, is it? My, my reputation as a shitty roller <laughs> precedes me wherever I go. That's funny. That's All right, funny. here we go. Uh, first die, and this is for a 10. I got a six. Oh, wow. What a great start. It's a great start. Wow. Love to see it. You'll yeah. love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Second die is a one. Okay, so we have a seven. We have a seven. Before any modifications. So my two plus ones can't get me there. Correct. So I'm going to take a problem for a third die. You are. Yeah, I am. Okay. I mean, let's just fucking play this game, right? Okay. Um, ba -bum -bum -bum. Did you not expect me to do that? No, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, like if I'm willing to use those two plus ones, once I take this problem, I can definitely get it because the worst I can do on this roll is one, which gets yeah. me to eight. Correct. Yeah. So you gain the problem. Uh, this comes from Patreon subscriber Marco, actually. Oh, uh, what have you done to me, Marco? <laughs> so he sent me some uh, some ideas for the table of unforeseen consequences, but it was finished. So I said, I'll use these for future problems. So this comes to us from Marco, Patreon subscriber, and it's a horrible migraine, which is very fitting today that with is. you being it hungover. Totally so I thought it was perfect. Uh, Jack's getting old. This is, a, <laughs> this is flavor text from Marco. Booze is hitting him harder these days. Oh, uh, Marco. So we're going to give you a minus two for rolls on devices, driving, preparedness, sense trouble, and stability. It's a nasty migraine. 
It is. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah, is yeah. a debilitating migraine. So I took anything that had to fo- do with focus. Yeah, okay, and, and that give makes you sense. a minus two. On that it. makes sense. So uh, we're gonna. Uh, I mean, I can't. I can't even argue it. That's a. It's a good one. It's a plausible one. It's eh? a plausible one. So I'm gonna. Um, That'll work. Is that hang on there? All right. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. So there you go. Thanks so much, Marco. If you have any ideas for problems or edges, please get a hold of us at the email address in the links below this episode. Let us know the ideas. We'd love to hear them. And if you have any ideas for like things that make me feel better, Marco, you're welcome to do that too. Yeah, if you ever <laughs> have some idea of how this case could be solved or worked on, email Sullivan yeah, at yeah, gmail.com. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not always bad getting old, right? Right. That's right. You get wise. <laughs> you get wise. That's the wisdom of the internet coming to you to help you solve your case, right? Exactly. If the internet can come to you and make you have worse hangovers, it should be able to help your wisdom. <laughs> I would hope so. All right, here's my third roll. Fucking hope that... I, I, I got to get this. Otherwise, that problem isn't worth it. Five. Awesome. Making a total of... Because I got to tell you the total. That's yes. how we do this. That is. Twelve. Twelve is your new total. Which makes the advance of 10 plus. Jack lives in his own booze-fueled bubble, <laughs> which is also making sense today. Yeah. Unfazed by the atrocities of man. For the rest of the day, whenever Jack must roll dice, he can add up to plus three to the result. But you gain whiskey tokens equal to the bonus. For example, plus one to the roll means one whiskey token. So every challenge roll for the rest of the day, you can have up to a plus three bonus modifier at the cost of one whiskey token per plus one. I'm digging it. I'm liking this. This is some good game, Dave. Right? Yeah. So you are you are terribly hungover. You have a bad <laughs> migraine. You're drinking extra because of it. Yeah. And on top of that, we can we can even add more to the drunkenness This is all of the day. just like weaving into like what is going on with my character today. This is brilliant. <laughs> I love it. The narrative relevance of it all yeah. is really working. Yeah. Well, it's clear that this case has been messing with Jack. Like, this is the third day. It's his last day. It's catching up to him. We assume the last day. I mean, the that's, guys... Well, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. So your breakfast has arrived, Jack Shepard. Uh, you've put it into your gut. Uh, you're feeling a little better, but not a whole lot, obviously. The headache is thumping away. What's your next move? First of all, what are the issues that Jack is looking to solve? Number one, I guess maybe highest priority is figuring out how to get this black Ford Model T slash former canine off the road. It's clearly a danger. That's a big priority. Getting Victor Stein out of his service to the mob at the dog races, that's also a priority. Dog fights, sorry. To that, that also means that figuring out a way to shut down the dog fights is also probably a priority. Okay. I did say dog fights. You did. I just, I'm laughing over here because it's like a labor for Todd. It's I have to, a, a labor. I consult my notes to remind myself whether it's dog fights or dog races. I don't know, this I don't know sort why. Of weird mental block there. It's funny. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think that that really sets out your goals quite well. How do you go about solving them? What's your first act of the day towards that? This is fun. It's working. Yeah. It's working. Okay, so I'm going to take my leftover hash browns home for goat. I want to try to reach Axel by phone if I can. No problem. You head back to your office. 
Uh, you call Axel's office line, and wouldn't you know, he happens to be at his desk and picks up. Yeah, hello, Axel Nicoli. Axel, it's Jack Shepard. How are you? Hey, Jack. How can I help you? I have a question for you. I want to try and shut down the dog races that are going on. <laughs> I want to try to shut down, and you can see that I don't have any notes about what these are on this page, which is why I made that mistake. <laughs> I want to try to shut down the dog fights that are going on in the meatpacking district. But I, I want to have an avenue where dog fights could start up again someplace else. Is there some place in the city where you think the cops could just turn a blind eye to this kind of thing? No can do, Jack. You know, humans are capable of some pretty terrible things, and man, dogs don't deserve that kind of fate. Come on, Jack. Do you want dog fighting to continue in this city? No, I don't. But I'm trying to find a solution that won't require ruffling the mob's feathers. I don't know. Did I tell Axel about what I saw in the dog fights about the sort of the mechanical modifications being made to the dogs there? You left the dog fights late last night, got in your car, drove home, went to spirits, went to bed. Okay, fair enough. Listen, Axel, there are atrocities going on at these dog fights that are torturing these animals beyond what would even happen in the, in the midst of a regular dog fight. Consider this a step towards eradicating dog fighting in general. We get rid of this one and allow another one without these atrocities to spring up. And then maybe somewhere down the line, we can get rid of those ones. It's about not ruffling the mob if you can get where I'm coming from. Listen, I get that you don't have the kind of protection that we do here in the force, but if you have any principles at all, Jack, it's hard to remain friends with everybody. Creating enemies is a natural part of standing up for the truth and justice. All right, you know what? You're right, Axel. You're right. Thank you for your time. I'll be in touch. I hope to hear back from you about these dog fights. I'm holding you accountable that you and I are going to take these things down. I'm just trying to work out the, the best way to do that exact thing. I'm in the office all day. I'll be in touch. Okay, now what? Uh, I want to call uh, the, 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 the mob guy whose name I can't remember for some reason. Mickey Cohen. Right. I want to call Mickey Cohen. Hey, you got Johnny's. Uh, it's uh, Jack Shepard. I need to talk to Mickey Cohen. Yeah, just a moment. Hey, Jack, how can I help you? Hey, Mickey, um, I need to talk to you about these dogfights. Just a sec. And you kind of hear him get up away from the phone and close the door of his office and sit back down into the chair. Okay, Jack, what do you got to say? I got to shut these things down, Mickey. Those are dangerous words. But I can't say I blame you. I don't know if you've seen or know what's going on there. It's more than just dogfighting. There's a German scientist who's being used to take these dogs that have lost, these dogs that should have died, and prolong their suffering. Um, force them to fight again and again and again. 
dogfighting alone is bad enough. This is some of the most inhumane bullshit I have ever seen. All right. Well, if we're going to do this, I'd like to take Fritz out on the crosshairs of it somehow. What are you thinking? I'm with you. We got to get rid of Fritz as well. Um, I mean, do you want you want Fritz dead? Or do you want him... We, I can get him behind bars. Behind bars works. I mean, behind bars. Once he's behind bars, I'm sure you can find a guy to shiv him if you want to shut him up. Yeah, that's not a bad plan. Behind bars, I'm sure I can figure out how to get it done quietly. So what's the next step? My thought is I call my contact at the police department and tell them to fake an anonymous tip, and uh, they take it from there, unless you have any thoughts on the subject. Now, admittedly, that only takes care of the dogfighting and not the, the Model T Ford. That's a whole other issue still. True. But I like this plan, Jack. It's clean. Keeps me far away from it. Heard the dogfights have been extra profitable lately, and they've started hosting fights on Thursdays now as well. So they're going to be there tonight. Well, perfect. We can take them down tonight, then. I think I'll spend the evening at the Alegria. Get seen at the tables. Whoever it is you're talking to at the district, you best trust them, Jake. I know the mob's got their boys in there, too. This plan gets mentioned to the wrong guy. They're going to hear about it before it goes down. And chances are they're going to hear who instigated it as well. Yeah, well, that'll be me that instigated it, not you. So at least you're in the clear, Mickey. Yeah. I ain't worried about me, Jack. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate your willingness to work with me on this, Mickey. It, it means a lot. No sweat, Jack. Make sure you don't come around here, all right? I don't want to be seen near you for the next little while. Call me when the car's dealt with. But other than that, we best keep silent. Will do. Oh, my nose hurts from doing that one. <laughs> All right, well, I'm done with Mickey, I think, for this episode, <laughs> so you're fine. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call Axel again, and I'm going to see if he can meet me for a coffee. Axel Nicole. Axel, it's Jack Shepard again. I don't want to talk on the phone. Are you okay to meet for a coffee? Yeah, sure. And you guys discuss a location and a time, and if you want that to be the next scene, we jump right to it. Let's do it. All right. You and Axel both know that there's no going for a coffee. We're going for a drink. Yeah, that's like a Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You find a, a shady little dive bar known to be a place that cops would never hang out. As you know, all of the best disreputable, dodgy. I should hope so. Holes in the ground that <laughs> serve brown liquor. Hey, Jack, what couldn't you mention over the phone? I'm giving you the thumbs up on taking down the dogfights. It can't be connected to me. Is there a way that you can fabricate an anonymous tip that leads to an investigation of the location that leads to the arrests? Yeah, no sweat. I got a small crew I trust. I'll go in there and bust it up myself. Now, I want to tell you, Axel, that this is coming from a place of trust from me as well. This is a mob business. If they got wind of who was responsible for shutting it down, it would be very bad for me. I know not all us cops are good guys. It's made my time in the LAPD more difficult. 
been one of the good guys. It's always the reputation you want. You can trust me, Jack. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. I just hope that turns out to be the case. Now, uh, it's vital that Charles Fritzel ends up behind bars at the end of this. Charles Fritzel, who's that? He's the one. He's the mastermind behind the dogfights. He's also the one who has sort of forced this scientist, Victor Stein, into working for him at the dogfights. And it's important to me that I get Victor Stein out from under his control. Sure, explain that to me a little better. So, as I was saying to you earlier on the phone about the atrocities going on uh, at these dogfights, Victor Stein is using his scientific know-how to essentially bring these dogs back to life after they've been killed and mutilated and destroyed. He's putting mechanical parts into their bodies to make them move again. And these, Jesus. these animals are being tortured. He's being forced to do this because Fritz has an eye on his family. And Fritz is threatening his family if Stein doesn't do this work for him. I understand. Okay, we'll make sure we help this Victor Stein fella and his family. Charles Fritzel, do you know what he looks like? Maybe. At the dogfights, you remember one man standing apart from the rest, kind of overlooking the entire scene. He was described to have a bit of a Disney villain vibe uh, with short black hair and a black pencil mustache and broad shoulders. Okay, then I will pass that description on to uh, Axel. He's taking a few notes into his little notebook. All right, sounds good. So where are these dogfights happening and when? They're happening at that warehouse that uh, we investigated yesterday afternoon. You were you, you were in the car while I went in to check them out. Yeah, I remember that was. Normally happening Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. They've apparently added Thursday nights to their repertoire, which means there's a dogfight going on tonight. You should be able to nail them. What time? I don't remember, but 9 p.m. What time was it? I don't remember. Definitely after the sun goes down. And I would recommend uh, having enough people that you can have some go through the front door and some come in through the back door because there's no way... Where's the back door? Uh, uh, it's around the back. And you explained to him the fire door around to the left, uh, yeah. the back side of the building yeah. you escaped using last night. Yeah, because I could imagine uh, Fitz trying to get out that way if he sees the cops coming in through the front. We'll plan the raid for the middle of the fights when the parking lot's full. Around 9.30 this evening. I'd like you to join us, Jack. Not for the raid, but just so you can ID Victor and Fritzel. All right, yeah, I can do that. All right. You know where we parked around the block yesterday? Yeah. That'll be our muster point. I'll see you there tonight at 9.30. I'll see you there. Okay, Jack, I got work to do. Oh, one more thing before I go. You were talking about that black Model T that's been... that's been terrorizing our streets. Yeah. There were more sightings of it last night. In that same district, but no one's caught it yet. Was wondering how the search is going for you. I have some leads. Uh, Anything you care to share that might help us? Nah, no, no. Unfortunately, this stuff I've got to keep pretty close to the vest. I will let you know when I have something I can share. You seem to have a real nose for this stuff, Jack. If it could help, I could acquire some of LAPD's anti-car gear. Spike strips. That wouldn't necessarily hurt. Better to have and not need. I'm going to be at the precinct all day organizing tonight's raid. 
Yeah. If I don't, if I don't get there before that, just bring the gear uh, to the muster point at nine thirty. Oh, I can do that. Okay. All right. Talk later, Jack. See you tonight. See ya. Did I get Victor Stein's address? You did. You got his address and his phone number, but he did not take yours. I would like to go to. What are you about to say? I don't know. I I have like a I have an audible. I have like a, a, a just a thing that could happen. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it happen or not. So you maybe you speak. If if you keep talking, I won't do it. <laughs> so it gets quiet. Well, now I'm curious. Yeah, I know, right? Talk, bro. Where are you going to go with it? Uh, I I want to go to Victor Stein's house. Like I want to sort of recon his house, see if he's there. And see if there's a way that I can like get to him without necessarily going through the front door, because I don't know if there's eyes on his place. And with that, the phone rings. All right, I'll answer the phone. Why was I expecting that? I was waiting for Foley to happen, and that doesn't happen live for some reason. <laughs> That's cool. That's I'm really waiting cool. for the phone to ring. Come on, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I don't have a soundbar in front of me. Uh, yes, hello, Jack Shepard. Yes, this is Jack Shepard. Jack, this is Victor. Victor, how are you? I am well, I am well. Uh, I'm glad you called. Um, it's it's very important that we speak. Yes, thankfully I could find your number in the yellow pages. Let your fingers do the walking. Did you have something you needed to tell me? Jack, Beast is here. One of my children has just come inside and told me that the car is back. And sure enough, I can see it from here, poking out the garage where I built it. Victor, is it safe for me to come to your house? Yes, I believe it is. I do not want to put you in any danger. As long as I show up to the work on time, I don't believe they follow me beyond that. All right. I have no idea how long the car's going to remain outside the garage. I am coming immediately, sir. What I would like you to do, if you can, is go out to the car and speak to... What's the name of the dog again? Beast? Beast. Go out to the car and speak to Beast in as warm, a friendly, and loving voice as you can. Keep him calm. Keep him present. And just treat him like the dog you know and love. If that is what you would like me to do, I will approach the car. Okay. All right, I'll be there as soon as I can. Yes, with haste. Indeed, with haste. All right, the same. All right, I am fucking racing to Victor Stein's house. Okay. Is it time for a driving check? I think it's time for a driving challenge because you're speeding. We're going to just see uh, yeah, how, my, how what cleanly am I? you drive there. And I got a minus two on my driving, don't I? And how many, uh, how many dice do you get for driving? I get one. One die for driving. Let's make a driving challenge with an advance of five. And you get a minus two to driving for the horrible migraine that you're having today. Great. Thank you so to I Marco Casco of Patreon. So, yes. So you could say that you require a seven on one die. Fun. <laughs> Fun. I like this game. For an advance. 
Right, for an advance. I've got to remember that there's a, the middle ground. There's a hold result as well next to the setback. Yeah. So on account of my migraine, I'm going to have to roll like my migraine dice. The I bloody think. die is going to roll? the bloody die. Okay. Because I feel like I'm looking through like red blobs in my eyes. You would, yes. You have day. bloodshot eyes yeah. for sure. Here we go. It was six. Wow. We have a plus one. A six minus two makes four with one of the plus ones oh, gained from the yeah. trivia, turning five. it into a five. Which is what I needed. Giving the advance of five. Yes. Okay. Hey, boys, you make fun of my rolling. What do you think of that? All right. Well, despite your inebriation and the shitty migraine you're dealing with, you drive all the way out to the property in San <laughs> Bernardino. I'm my, uh, my flask as I drive. <laughs> right? Hitting the flask as we go here. With all sorts of weird tummy, tummy grumbles because nothing's sitting quite right today. <laughs> right. It's just not an enjoyable place to be. As long as it stays down there. Yeah, exactly. So you get all the way out to this San Bernardino County property. It's rural without any issue. And doing so makes you confident. So despite how shitty you're feeling, you're now feeling confident about it at least. Nice. So you gain a plus one to all of the following challenges. Cool, driving, fighting, and stability. So we have all sorts of bonuses and and drawbacks happening here all over what the place. What a day I Yeah, I know. There's a lot of uh, summing of, of uh, numbers before we <laughs> right. find results right now. A lot of modifiers on, our, on yeah. our rolls. So there you go. So you are a confident, hungover, Injured because you have a rolled ankle still from rolling down the stairs into that dojo the other day. So you're you're injured. Right, right, you're right. injured, and you have a horrible migraine, and you're extremely hungover. But I'm also very confident. But you're very you have become quite confident throughout it all. You arrive at the property and can see a small garage in the back forty of the property. Okay. Uh, you can see that the door to the garage is open, and that one corner of the garage is a bit damaged and you don't see a car in that garage as you pull up. Okay. You pull up out front, park in the gravel drive near the home, and watch as Victor leaves the front door of the house, stepping down the three steps off the stoop and walking towards you. Okay. And you can see three little kids with their heads just in the front window and a wife behind kind of holding back the curtain, looking sternly and a little nervous and scared in your direction. I'm so sorry the fucking car drove off. I did what you said, Mr. Jack Shepard. I tried anyway. It seemed like Beast was maybe sleeping. And the moment I arrived and tried to speak to him and he woke up, he was scared and he drove right off down the road. Did you see which way he went? He appeared to drive off towards the north, into the hills. <sighs> what did Beast like to eat? I used to bring him fine cuts of steak. Do you have any fine cuts of steak at home right now? Yes, I do. Would you mind grabbing a few fine cuts of steak and coming for a drive with me? We're gonna see if we can find Beast. Yes, I could do that. I am working on something for our problem. Hmm. Tell me more. I didn't sleep all night. I'm trying to build a device that will interrupt the electrical signals around the car. If I can interrupt the spark distribution system, Beast will cease to be able to move and will be stuck. The car will die, basically. All right. I think I can create this, but it will require more of my day here. Do you not think 
that you could manually disconnect him from whatever it requires to move the car? If you can get me to Beast and inside the, pass- the driver's seat, yes, of course. I mean... Or if I could crawl up underneath the car. I mean, would he not trust you enough to get into the driver's seat? I guess not. He just drove off. Like I said, the first time I booted this up and put it all together, an invigorated beast, he drove away. Yeah. I think he is just as scared. I think so, too. I could Um, imagine some form of disassociation, being able to move without feeling the ground under your feet. I was fueled by my anger and... I see the folly of my choices. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think he's scared too. My hope was that your presence, uh, your voice, your familiarity would help calm him down long enough for someone to get inside and, uh, and disconnect those necessary connections. It's this is try. Right. Let's take some time to do that, then grab some steaks and uh, let's go for a drive. Okay. And specifically, I want to ask Victor if there's anywhere around that beast like to roam. That beast like, you know, did he have a favorite place to go for walks or a favorite place to like, you know, hunt for things or whatever. Some place like a hunting, like a, like, a, like a stomping ground that we could, you know, head towards in the hope of, you know, connecting with him. Back when Beast was our dog, he loves these hills. They were his. Chasing rabbits. Howling with the coyotes. I'd say we... Tried to head in the northeast towards the foothills. But, I mean, he is a car. He can't hide that fell. That's what I thought, too, but... I guess all we can do is try. All right. So you got uh, two steaks. Yep. Butcher paper. They're frozen. They came out of the freezer. All right, well. So you pop your hood, and he places... Uh, he's got some tinfoil, and he wraps them in tinfoil and places them on the engine. <laughs> In a way that they're going to kind of get stuck under the hood when you put the hood down. Oh, but they'll begin to warm up and then, yeah, be like... They'll thaw out. They'll thaw out and get nice and smelly. Yeah, they'll thaw out under the engine. Nice, all right. Uh, And then we head to where he thought we should go, and I would like him to be calling out for his dog, Beast. Holy shit, there's a completed episode of Mysteries and Madness. My goodness, this stuff takes a lot of my time. I sure enjoy doing it, but dang. Working the day jobs, making this difficult. If you want to support what we're doing, all the ways to do so are in this episode description. Patreon being the most direct way to help us out. Big love to Patreon supporters Paula Kreiderman, John Erridge, Marco Casco, Shane Finnegan, and Shep Jackhard. Some of my favorite people for supporting what we're doing over here. Big love to my co-host Todd Sullivan and all of you listening. I sincerely appreciate it. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for letting our weird podcast be a part of it. And without further ado, chapter two of this finale begins right now because I'm going to drop these together when I finally get them all edited. And thus begins the 30 to 40 hours I'm going to spend over the next month editing the back half of this finale. So I appreciate your patience in this extremely time-consuming but very rewarding endeavor. Cheers, everybody.